Welcome to Escaping Kerberos, the podcast where we rewatch, reminisce, and review everything Doctor Who from 2005 to present. My name is Rich, and I'm joined by my fiance, Yay! Amy. <laughs> because sorry, in, that was really loud. <laughs> a lot has happened in the time between our last few, our last podcast. Um, yeah, we got engaged. Yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> it, it's not gonna lie, I've been thinking about introducing you as my fiance for a while now. Like the fact that I get to introduce you as my fiance, <laughs> or as we say, my financy. My financy, because we were stupid texting, and I sent the word finance with an acute e on the end, <laughs> and now she's like, "I'm your financy." I'm like, I hate that I made this a thing. But anyway, welcome, Amy. Or I mean, if I had to give you a normal introduction, I'd say the person who would most likely like most like to suck off David Tennant with a straw. Yeah. Because I will make a joke about that. You wouldn't be later wrong. on. I mean, it's true. <laughs> the, the tenant simping has begun and we're less we're like a minute in but welcome to escaping gusturbarus uh I, I, i'm excited for all the comments that are going to be like i didn't realize you were an actual couple <laughs> really i, I don't mean, know if i that just is, feel like maybe there's I, some people out there that didn't quite realize i mean uh, at the time of now i have uh, i've done my first review on my personal youtube channel I'm back, by the way, doing that stuff. Yeah. Uh, not on Who Culture. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know this already. Um, but I did that, and a lot of people were like, "Oh my god, you're doing stuff! That's awesome!" And then mm-hmm. I put episode zero, our previously on Escaping Cosmos, onto YouTube because I'm like, right, got to make some content. Uh, got the weekly reviews for Doctor Who Flux, uh, which aired for the first. The first episode aired uh, on Sunday, just gone. Yeah. Um, just give you some context as to when we're recording this I was going to say, that timestamps this, doesn't it? Yeah, I know. Uh, immediately dates it. Um, and so I put, I decided, I, you know what, I wasn't going to put the Escaping Costabras onto YouTube for the sake of putting it onto YouTube, but now that I've, like, I know that we're, we're, we're tangenting, tangenting off already from, from Series 3, but we'll add, there's a few things we need to talk about first, I think. Yeah. Um, the reaction and the, the response I've had on YouTube for doing this review has been absolutely flipping crazy. Yes, it like literally rocketed. balls, you guys. Um, so many people found my video in their recommended when they were searching for Who Culture's Ups and Downs. Hey, hey. Which is quite funny and also <laughs> kind of great for me, yeah, but also kind of great for you because a lot. Of, I'm surprised how many people were like, I want to see what Rich thinks about this. Yeah. And therefore went onto who culture in hopes i was still there because you know some people don't know that i've left like loads of people have been tweeting me or putting in the comments of the video like wait you left yeah i like, saw that yeah that was that was february yeah a, a okay. while it's been a it while was, it's been a, it's been a while it's been nearly a year yeah, honestly um, that's crazy but the reaction the response has been amazing like the comments are all really civil a lot mm-hmm. of people have been very uh, appreciative of this new direction that the reviews have gone in um because if you are listening to this and not realised I reviewed chapter one of Flux, it's on my YouTube channel. Um, and they're like, oh, so, you know, I mean, I, I go on about this all in the beginning and I say, you know, the, the, the binary of up and down. just it's, it's a nice consumable, easily digestible format. Yeah. But it doesn't lead to great reviewing because everything has to be binary. I, I could maybe say. get away with one thing per review to be in a grey area and mm-hmm. say, you know, what do you guys think about this? Because then it, you know, triggers a YouTube comments question and the comments come in and, you know, more comments, more traction, more <laughs> views potentially. So yeah, 
that's uh that that was how that worked and it, and sometimes it made me sound a lot arsier than i wanted to because something that was like just mildly not great was a down, a down and therefore it was like a hundred percent bad or there was yeah. something that was a hundred percent good so it meant that it sounded like i didn't give chris a chance and honestly it really like i i, I didn't lean into it too much with the review because i didn't want to go off topic mm-hmm. unlike right now where we're very much off topic but i will admit doing that stuff and the reaction i got from people wasn't great and it was it was more after i left who culture after i left the company it was only about a month or two after i left and all of a sudden like doctor who twitter suddenly kicked off about who culture i oh, really and i was like oh goody yeah um, i don't know if i ever knew that I don't think I told you about it, honestly. No, I think I saw it. it. It all sort of happened, and there's people, a lot of people slagging it off and stuff, uh, X, Y, and Z, and, uh, you know, obviously being a, being the face of it for the first, you know, nearly a year of its life, Yeah. it was like, ah, it doesn't feel great to know, mm-hmm. but, yeah. So I really wanted to make sure that doing this myself, I sort of, I don't want to say fixed my image, but... I definitely wanted to be a bit more like, yeah, I can see why people perceived (laughs) me that way before, but I don't want to come across that way. It's Mm. not that the opinions I had were false. They were very much exaggerated in in certain instances. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah, the, the response and more importantly, the statistics of this video going live have been crazy. It's been, you know, what is it? Wednesday today. So it's been Mm -hmm. like three days, three full days of it being out. Yeah. It's at, um, I think it's like, is it like 20,000 views? It was the last time I checked. It's, yeah, 21,000 views. And I've gained... That's impressive. And I've gained 3,000 subscribers with one video. Damn. (laughs) And that is flipping mad. If that ain't progression. Yeah, if you're listening to this and you've watched that video uh, and just watched it anyway, just thank you in the first place. But if you've managed to re-find me... Because obviously a lot of people didn't go over to Traction because it's not for everyone. It's well, I mean, it's Doctor racing, Who is it's very racing video racing, games. Yeah, it's it? a whole different <laughs> kettle of fish. So it, it, not everyone's gonna gonna go there and know that I'm doing that. So people refinding me and being like, "Oh, are you doing this again? This is great!" And I'm like, "Thank you so much." Because honestly, the motivation it has given me to do YouTube myself for a bit. Yeah. I say for a bit, but you're doing YouTube myself. And I say for a bit, I mean like because I can't stick to it mm-hmm. super hardcore Regimented. because I'm still working a full-time job. Um, it's crazy. And I never thought I would ever be in that position again to want to try YouTube properly because I've tried it no end of times on a yeah. personal level, but I just get bored of it. Mm-hmm. And when you're working when you're working on it full-time, you don't want to go home and do more of it, which no. is why Twitch was so good. So anyway, that's, that's a little tangent about doing... The YouTube stuff and the support that you guys have chucked my way and now hopefully we'll throw to EK as well. Yeah. So welcome and if you are a if you are a new either a new listener to the podcast or you finally caught up with the fact we continued it. Appreciate that. Yeah. Hi. Thanks. Um and also I think that we haven't done a podcast since the Russell T. Davies news came out. That's the other thing. Yeah, that was it. There's a few things we need <laughs> so... to talk about. And I literally I went <laughs> I scrolled down the um, the the Escaping Castebra's Twitter page at Castapod, by the way, um, and was looking at like the last few times we tweeted. There was the the quote tweet of us getting engaged. Yes. That said, <laughs> "Shake SMH, my head, just, just do, do a, a podcast." podcast. <laughs> um, just echoing the the Castapodians, who uh, thankfully aren't vocal about it, as I always say. But in the back of their minds, they're like, 
Oh my god, where's the, god damn, where's where's the, the damn podcast? podcast? Um, <laughs> appreciate that. It's kind of like uh, a running joke yeah, now, isn't it? It was literally five days after we did and we released um, The Runaway Bride. Yes. Russell T Davies gets announced as coming back to Doctor oh my Who. God. <laughs> I literally nearly died. Like I think <laughs> somebody sent me a text or a, they linked me to a tweet. It was me. Or, I can't remember whether you were the first one to tell me or whether I saw it, whether somebody else mentioned it as well. But I just remember clicking on this tweet. It must have been you. Um, mm-hmm. And being like, oh, I was at work and I literally was like, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> one of my work colleagues was like, are you okay? I was like, no, Russell T Davies is coming back to Doctor Who. Somebody hold me. <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was, it was a Saturday. I was at work because we were doing Le Mans Virtual. That's right. And my phone, my phone buzzed uh, before things were kicking off. And it was, um, was it a Saturday? Was it a Friday? It might actually, it might have been a Friday, actually. Whatever day um, it was. Or whatever day it was. And um, I, my phone buzzed and it was uh, Peter Austin from mm-hmm. Vidiots or Triple Jump, whatever you're keeping up with nowadays, what he's doing. Because obviously he and I used to do Doctor Who content together at What Culture before he left to do Vidiots. Yes. Um, and we we talk about it on and off time, you know, time Here after time. And it had been a while since we'd spoken and I just get a message from Peter like, have you seen the news? And I'm like... What news? What? what? I'm, I'm really busy doing other stuff, but what? And I'm genuinely... There's like... There seems to be nobody else at the company that really cares about Doctor Who and I am bouncing off the walls like the most I mean you know if we had this if we had this debate we knew that Chris uh, we knew that Chris Paxton Chris Chibnall was leaving like (laughs) who would you who would you have as the next showrunner and like I don't know enough like you know modern TV to say who I would suggest next it's kind of the same with actors Mm. Because, I mean, my two top picks for the next Doctor would be, as I've always said, Hayley Atwell, Idris Elba. I'd love either of them, but they're both, arguably, they're too big yeah. to do it, really. Um, so that probably wouldn't happen. Also, if Idris Elba might get Bond, I'm game for that too. Well, that's um, true. But, like, yeah, I, they're, they're, my, they're my main picks, but I couldn't think of anybody genuine, like an, a genuine suggestion. But then you'd always say, just get Russell back. Yeah, <laughs> just getting back. Like he's he's been kicking ass with you know years and years, and it's a sin and stuff like that. Yeah, it's oh like he's God. doing so well. He is, yeah, same. He's refining his craft, and it's like just get him back on Doctor Who. And the Please. fact that he actually has come back. That like, I'm looking at this tweet like, where in this Twitter handle is the fake letter or yeah, you know, have they put like, a, a white emoji at the end of the name to make it look like a verified? Surely tick? it must. No, be. this is actually real. What is happening? I literally just like freaked out, and then all my friends were messaging about it on a group chat, and I was like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god!" Like I literally cannot believe that the top dog RTD is back in the Doctor Who house like yeah <laughs> and I mean I, we're watching he's... Russell's era now and I'm literally like oh he's so good so good <laughs> <laughs> we are big Russell stands I mean this this you guys all know very much so I feel uh, like though Russell if stands. you are a fan of Doctor Who and you dislike Russell T Davies era then surely you just wouldn't have stuck around and become a Doctor Who fan because exactly realistically he rebooted the entire show he made it I mean I it's know the Moffat made his... it popular in America but like he made it what it was it was weird the the, the sudden 
switched to America because mm. it just was series five. Just all yeah. of a sudden, it just blew up in the Randomly. states. And I, I don't. I, maybe there's maybe there's more research to do on this. Maybe that's something I could do for a YouTube video. Actually, maybe I'll write that down. Yeah. Um, about why it blew up in the states because I can't think of a, a specific reason as to why it kicked off. Maybe they just thought, you know what. Maybe it was because back when Series 5 was happening, when David Tennant said he was leaving after Series 4 and the specials, the BBC were like, well, the show's dead. Mm-hmm. You know, David's so big. How we is this to... going to continue with some random dude called Matt Smith who no one knows <laughs> apart from the fact that he shagged Billy Piper in Secret Diary of a Cool Girl? And he's like, from Northampton. Nah. Oy, oy. Um, <laughs> it's like, they're not going to know who this is. They're not going to know this show, so no. why bother? So maybe they just gave it a bit more you know Publicity. screen time in the states and yeah. off it went so maybe that's a, maybe that's a youtube video idea. yeah you should no, have still my youtube that. video idea um not that anybody else would be nerdy enough to i don't think but eh, you true. never know it might I already like, exist it probably will but i you know you can do a proper editor <laughs> if i don't if i don't know that that video has already been made i won't feel bad about doing a video that yeah would look like it's copying it that's true it's like i did a b- very quick tangent back in the, the the what culture gaming days i did a video all about roller coaster tycoon mm-hmm. and what happened to it because i obviously as a massive tycoon fan the, yeah. the series went very downhill so i wrote a script all about this it's actually still on the gaming channel it's called whatever happened to roller coaster tycoon and i was literally writing this script i just finished it and suddenly my recommendations from like two days ago at the time it was like what happened to roller coaster tycoon and I'm like, are you kidding? How dare you? <laughs> Why? <laughs> ah, damn it. But anyway. Christ. Yeah. So Russell's coming back for the 60th anniversary. Which isn't until 2023, sadly. But Yeah, because we've still got the rest of Flux and then Jodie's got three specials. Oh, she's got three rightly. specials next year. Yeah, she's got specials as well. I see. Wait, so she's does all, one of those include of... New Year, though? I don't... Well, as in this as in like, coming New Year. Yeah, yeah. The New Year special. So January 1st, technically. Because usually that's what Maybe. he does, isn't I it? He goes, I, he has like a bit of a series in April. Then he has the New Year special. Then the next year he's like, I'm going to do October this year. Then he has the New Year special. Then he's like, oh, back to April again. And it's just like... Well, it was like when when uh, when it was Tenant's era ending, he did um, an Easter special, which mm-hmm. was Planet of the Dead. Yeah. You know, because he jumps on the bus at the beginning and offers Lady Christina de Souza a bit of Easter egg. And mm-hmm. then there's... Waters of Mars, which was just at some point in August, I think, or something like yeah, that. Just middle of the and year. then End of Time Part One and Two was Christmas Day and New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. But what I so, mean is because obviously Chibnall's uh, holiday specials are um, always on New Year's Day, aren't they? Rather than Christmas, Christmas. Day. Um, yeah. So when you say Jodie's got three specials next year, does that mean one of them is going to be the typical New Year's special, and then there's going to be two more? It, well, assuming it's not been confirmed yet when they are, at least as far as I know. So the New Year's special, I'm assuming it'd be New Year's because apparently everything's been shot. Yeah. All of her regeneration is done. Mm-hmm. It's all finished now. So I'll be intrigued to um, see what they do with her generation to make us actually care because I feel like I, Matt's like I don't... David's was super emotional. Uh, sp- spoilers. I'm obviously not going to go too in depth. Like Matt Smith got an entire speech. Um. Capaldi's was very much on a similar wavelength to Matt Smith's because it was yeah, again they really went into them. But <laughs> Jodie's the first Doctor since Chibnall, so I do wonder. It may. How. It's probably going to be a. I think for some people, it's going to be a really, really hard goodbye, especially if they replace Jodie with a male Doctor again. Yeah, the problem is um, you've got to go either one of two. Like obviously, it's kind of like a, a bit of a 
which option do you go for? Because if you replace it with a male doctor, then it is kind of like, oh, we're just going back to the trope of a male doctor. Great. So we have one female female to pander and we're never going to have a female doctor again. But if you do another female, you're going to have the PC crew like the PC woke crew being all like, oh, of course they would put another female in because they have to show us that they're being woke and blah, blah, blah. So either way, you can't win, basically. That's why I want Idris Elba. Make it a, a, a great actor to be fair, and a black dude. If it was Do Idris it. Elba, and I honestly, Idris Elba can complain. be really scary, so I, I wouldn't mind having like mm-hmm. Capaldi's sort of anger vibes but coming from Idris Elba. Oh I'm like, God, yeah, can you imagine? I'm game for this, yeah. please. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it depends on how the rest of this series goes, how Flux goes, how the specials go, because you never know. There, there might be something that happens in that time that makes us really think, "Oh my goodness!" Like this mm. is this is going to be hard to to, to watch to to see I how don't go. Know. I just I, I don't I, have any faith yeah. in Chibnall whatsoever. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> but not not to jump too far forward, but you know, I think it's more going to be people are going to just sort of look at it and go, "You were eh. done dirty. Go yeah. do big finish." Oh my god, and yeah. Give you, like, they'll give you the they'll give you the good stuff. That's the so. thing. Like I I listened to Nerd Cubed, and I'm sure so people on here must know who he is. Um, I mention him yeah. a lot, and uh, he does a podcast called F Yeah Doctor Who, um, and in his most recent episode, which was about Flux episode one. He literally says Jodie's a bad actress because he watched Broadchurch Mm. and was like, she's a bad actress. And I was like, no, Dan, Broadchurch was written by Chris Chibnall. So do you not see the pattern here? Like, Jodie on her own, great. I absolutely like, like, you know, I wouldn't say I love Jodie Whittaker. I don't really think I've seen her in particularly loads, but I like her as an actor, as an actress. Like, but the fact that she keeps being done dirty by Chibnall is like oh my god can you just go and do some big finish and do some actual Doctor Who stories that yeah. would literally prove you can be a good doctor I think once Russell's back in he is going to jump on the opportunity to get Jodie back and, and give her some uh-huh. good stuff and because if any if anyone is good at writing female characters oh it's Russell it's Russell and that's why I'm really so... hoping that they do another female doctor because I don't want the female doctor's legacy to be Chibnall because it mm. would be if they did another male doctor you don't want the, the, the people who as you mentioned complain about the get woke uh-huh. stuff to, to arguably to win because it's like ah you know we're gonna we're, let's not bother doing a female doctor again there's mm-hmm. as you know all these arguments we had back in 2017 with, with, with people about the fact that oh, I should never be female it's like but in the grand scheme of things it doesn't matter She's the gender of the daughter is, is, is an irrelevant. Alien. Literally, the only time, I, as far as I can I remember, that it's been acknowledged was in Spyfall uh-huh. when Stephen Fry's like, Wait, you're a woman? Yeah. Okay. And it's like, that's all it needed to be. Mm-hmm. Done. But so, also, anyway. it's, it's kind of like sometimes it hurts being this, like, how do I put this without being horrible to people? The people that, well, I mean, they maybe deserve it. I don't know. The people who are <laughs> complaining about being the woke, like, crew, as I'm going to call them. No, they're not They're not the people being they're woke. They're not the woke crew. Like, they're they the are complaining, complaining about, about, the about the woke crew. That's what I mean. Um, so does it hurt being that stupid? Because right now <laughs> it's hurting me feeling like I have to argue with you. I have about, to exist in the same universe as like, you. Like the fact that I can sit here and be like, what does it matter if she's a female doctor? Is It's not being woke. It's literally just being there are women that exist in the world. Deal with it. Well, as, a, as it a, I know jumping forwards, <laughs> jumping forwards a lot here, but like Flux episode one, you've got 
Diane, mm-hmm. which was going to be John Bishop's Dan's date, who has one arm. Yeah, I noticed that, and I was there was like, a clip. There was a props. clip going on on Twitter because I saw a bunch of people quote tweeting it like what in the hell is this it was two people doing a podcast review right and they were just going on about the fact that the two um uh the two uh division agents one looked like a like a lesbian and the other looked like a dude a black dude even though it was a woman i'm sorry what i was like and they were, they were like oh it's all woke pc stuff it's like literally they don't even acknowledge what they look like or who they are they are division agents checking on the guy who cosplays as a needler reload yeah, literally. that's irrelevant I mean, and then uh, they were like oh yeah so they've forced disability because the woman's got one arm it's like is it at all mentioned is it at all acknowledged and that is, is, it, is it relevant in any way shape or that form? is exactly the point of casting disabled people in normal roles because you shouldn't have to cast a disabled person in a disabled specific role just to make a storyline out of the fact that they are disabled disabled people exist in the world they have normal day-to-day lives she probably lives exactly you know she literally lives with one arm every she's, day of her apparently life apparently she's done like rsc stuff she's like a exactly a, a, a very very acclaimed actress and that's and the it's thing like, it's like just because she's got one arm it doesn't suddenly mean that the bbc have got like a quota of disabled people they yeah, have it's, poli- to cast. it's political it's like you know you jump on a train or you're walking down the street and you see somebody in a wheelchair or you see somebody with crutches with- because they have only one leg yeah or you see somebody very blatantly wearing a prosthetic it's like oh no the high street's gone woke <laughs> literally that's what pisses me off it's it, it's so it's so baffling it's so strange oh, as to why people get up, ableism up, people get up finest, in arms about it. it it's really dumb so yeah it's it's like you know people people like that who review doctor who who have who whinge about that obviously i have very much gone on the opposite burner mm-hmm. and been like dude shut up yeah it's but then not relevant again it's like, if it's you just if you don't like i mean th- Doctor, as, as we've said this a million times, Doctor has always been quote unquote woke. It's all, it's never been arguably backwards. No. I mean, they lean onto it a bit when they had David Bradley's first Doctor back because, you know, mm-hmm. he was a product of another time. And thankfully, that approach I mean, yeah, to Doctor how had died was, out quite quickly. How old was he when he first started playing the Doctor? He was easily 60. I think he was in his 50s or 60s. Exactly. So he's head. already lived. 50 or 60 years at the time of them starting filming and so he was probably born in quite literally like 1908 or god like 1918 or do you know what i mean like he was probably alive during the first world war so the fact that he's literally come from a 1908 uh, oh my god that was a complete and utter guess well done But like, he's, yeah, he's, he's you know probably I mean? a different time. But, like it, yeah. and so him going into that role in 1960s was obviously meant that he was going to be a bit more like sexist, a bit more this, a bit more that, because that's just how he'd lived his life. But now we shouldn't be sexist. We, I mean, we never should have been. That's not the point. I'm saying is that it was okay then, so it's okay now. But like, I'm just saying that you know times have changed, and so therefore we have to change. And she's a as far as I have seen so far, the woman who played Diane had credible acting skills. So what the f- does it matter if she's only got half an arm? Exactly. Anyway, <laughs> we have gone very off topic. Uh, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> so YouTube has been going really well after like one, two videos because the first Escaping Castebrus video version of the podcast has gone up because if you are listening to this, all of the episodes up to this point i'm putting out like two a week to just get them on get them on youtube and then when we've caught up with our audio recordings they'll go out at the same time um as videos Whatever so not is. like not like <laughs> like with us on screen it's just like a graphic but we might do some stuff actually like on camera at some point um 
And uh, yeah, Russell T. Davies is coming back to Doctor Who, which is absolutely astonishing news. And I think everyone should be very excited, especially if you either haven't watched Russell's era or... Which, how could you, you not? Like, or you didn't sort of... If you hadn't watched Russell's era, like you literally wouldn't have seen any of Tennant. <laughs> <laughs> or Eccleston, Amy, don't skip nine. Yeah, I know. I'm not skipping nine. I'm just saying. But speaking of skipping nine, because we've done all of uh, nine, let's talk about... Smith and Jones. <laughs> Smith and Jones. We get there we in like are halfway half an through. hour into this podcast. And we haven't <laughs> even mentioned the episode yet. Hey guys, welcome to Smith and Jones, episode one of series three of Doctor Who, aired on the thirty first of March two thousand and seven, written by. It's a series opener. Therefore, Mark Russell T. Russell T. Davies. <laughs> Mark Gatiss. Hey, he writes. Oh my god, guys! Something. Amy's a fake fan. Oh yeah. Because I don't Fake know fan. who wrote every single episode. <laughs> You're a Doctor Who fan? Name the writer of every single Doctor Who episode since 1963. Yeah, okay, sure. Get on my level. Because I don't know either. No, exactly. Anyway, series opener, we're introduced to Freema Adjaman as Martha Jones, who we definitely didn't see in Army of Ghosts mm-hmm. as uh, her cousin, What's It, who Adiola. didn't make it out of didn't make it out of her torture Adiola, tower. Adiola, she Whoops. says. Uh, she mentions her in this episode I'm sure she said Adiola she does have a full name credit mm-hmm. on in that episode but yeah she plays her cousin in that quite unquote she's not, identical she's... cousin <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and she's working as a doctor at the uh, was it London Hope London Royal Hope Hospital yeah something like that so that's yeah, a bit on that's, the nose uh, isn't it and, and the rain goes upwards here the Jadoon and Amy's favourite villain of all time Straw bitch. <laughs> Straw bitch. It took me most of the episode to remember what she was called. Yes. Plasmavore. I, I, had, I had something else in my head. Uh, Vesperform. Ah. That's what I had in my head. But Vesperform is Unicorn and the Wasp in Series 4. Mm-hmm. So, so it was like just before she was going to say Plasmavore. And I'm like, it was Plasmavore. I knew it was in my head somewhere. Yeah. And she like she she sucks off old men with straws. Um, well, she doesn't suck them off. She... She sucks just sucks them, them dry. dry. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds sounds just as bad. But anyway, um, yeah. So the doctor gets you know goes into hospital because he sees weird lightning stuff, and Martha goes to work, and the Jadoon rock up, and right. So, in case you didn't know this, there's a fun little thing about the Jadoon, about why they were conceived, why they were named, what they are, and why the doctor has a specific line in this episode because he says a Jadoon platoon on the moon. Does Russell... Did Russell create the Jadoon? Yes. Ah. Cool. Because uh, he wrote the episode. Well, yeah. I see, I'm pretty certain they're made by him. I'm actually... after looking at the credits of... Um, uh, Fugitive of the Jadoon from series 12 mm-hmm. and see whether there's a credit that says Jadoon created by Russell T. Davies because usually in episodes that hark back to old villains or use old villains they normally have credits so it's like Daleks created by Terry Nation yeah. Cybermen created by whoever I might have to see that actually I want to say there is but I might be lying um, but yeah so the Jadoon are these the big rhino dudes who I honestly forget how much I like them yeah they're a bit of an outlier in terms of like I want quote-unquote enemies because they only really appear like a handful of times throughout the entirety of New Who. Um, yeah. And so you kind of They're forget about They're a neutral force, them. really. They're a what? They're a neutral force. Well, exactly. Because they are police for hire. But yeah, so 
because we see them in this we see them in uh stolen earth mm-hmm. when they go to the, when the doctor and donna go to the shadow proclamation yeah we see them again in uh the pandora opens yeah and then we see them again in fugitive of the jadoon i don't think is that a jody episode fugitive yeah, yeah with i a, thought so the fugitive doctor yeah and all that stuff yeah is that where captain um, jack came back that was where Captain Jack came back. Won't be hearing from him again. We don't talk think. to him about him anymore, yeah. Yeah, we don't talk about him anymore. Um, so yeah, basically, Russell created the Jadoon as a bit of a piss take for David Tennant because obviously David Tennant is Scottish. Mm-hmm. He does have a Scottish accent. A Jadoon on a very good on the moon. English accent when he's doing when he was doing Casanova and he was doing Doctor Who. He's done it a lot for. I think he does it in Good Omens as well. I've not. I've watched like one episode of Good Omens, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's done. He's done loads of stuff with his natural accent and also with his his English accent. And um, obviously, being Scottish, double O is mm. quite distinct. So Jadoon Platoon on the Moon was like um, Russell going, "Good luck, mate. <laughs> Enjoy that." And it's it's very reminiscent of um, she who must not be named putting Harry pocketed it into future Harry Potter books because Stephen Fry found it very Struggled. difficult to say pocketed, pocketed. it in pocketed. the audiobooks of the Potter books. So it's, it's basically just Russell T Davies playing a prank on on David Tennant mm-hmm. by making him say Jadoon Platoon on the Moon a lot over the course of an episode so which was very entertaining that's a, that's a fun little fact for all you doctor who nerds out there which most of you probably knew but i mean it's I mean, fun maybe it's some fun of you maybe share. didn't but it's it's fun so okay let's let's talk about the elephant in the room and that is martha don't call her that that's rude I had a feeling you'd take it that way, but you know I didn't refer to her like that because Free Regiment is skinny. She's hot. Um, she is hot. Um, <laughs> there's one thing we don't do, one, one thing we don't hold back from in this podcast is we like to acknowledge the hot. We like to um, simp. We do simp. We simp good. We're, we're good fine. simps. Um, so Martha, from what I perceive, from what I've seen, from what I've seen in comments and on videos and just general chatter about the character, Martha's quite... Marmite. Polarizing. Well, I mean, I use the technical term. You use the the you know the um, the the layman's term. What's it but called? Anyway. What's it called when something becomes like uh, well known in you know how you call like a vacuum a Hoover, a Hoover because it's become oh, it's, like um, branded rather than oh I forgot what the term you is. You know what the term is. You know what I'm colloquial. Uh, collo- 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 well, I think I don't know if colloquial is the right term but yeah that kind of thing i know what you mean you went for polarizing she's a, polar- I went, I a polarizing with the technical <laughs> term polarizing character at times because people some people just really don't like her because for context obviously tenant has he's just come off the event or ish come off the events of the runaway bride he's still getting over rose but he's in a different state he's like in the, the next stage of grief basically mm-hmm. he was very emotionally Avoidance. distraught in runaway bride and hence why yeah Donna kept asking her, asking him her name, etc., etc. Whereas in this, he's just very defensive. Mm-hmm. Like whenever it's brought up, he just goes off on one. But the reason why um, Martha's so polarizing potentially, um, I think she she loses this trait quite significantly by the end of the series and throughout her subsequent appearances. But it's the fact that she basically falls for the Doctor immediately. Yeah, I don't know if she loses it by the end of the series because we have that entire thing at the end of the series which i'm not gonna try and spoil if you've not seen it but if you have seen it you know exactly the interaction i'm talking about 
where she's all like, meh, 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 I love you, and meh, 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 I know you don't love me, and meh, meh, like that stuff. It is a bit, yeah, so but I, don't I would think say she that's more her getting it. over it. She doesn't lose it over this series, but she definitely, but, in her subsequent yeah. appearances, does not have that anymore, which, re-watching this episode, I very much like her character, right? Her mm-hmm. general character she's very headstrong she's very leadership um she's very takes care of other people and i like those qualities compared to martha rose was actually quite selfish um if you sort of look at it like that because rose kind of abandons mickey she abandons her mum like whereas martha's very much like i can't like i've got this to do i've got this to do i've got this to do whereas rose was just kind of like yeah sure whatever i'll come away with you she's not done a she's not done a yaz well i mean she kind of has but well. it's like you know yaz just drops everything uh-huh. when as a police officer like that backs i mean i said this before that backstory for yaz is like basically non-existent because the one episode they could have capitalized on it which was reacting to the uk they just completely Didn't. ignored it um whereas in this episode she is a doctor yeah and, and she does tend to her to, to tend to people when she can yeah and, be, you know chasing around a skinny guy in a suit well quite and that's what i like about her character um and i don't dislike martha as a companion i will say like i know i say quite a lot that martha's my least favorite um but it is purely because she has this overarching oh my god, I'm suddenly in love with you within the first half an hour of this episode. And it's like, I mean, obviously, Russell wrote in the kiss to be like, oh my god, he's kissed A her. genetic transfer, yeah. which still sounds just as bad. I know. And it's... it's. If anything, it sounds worse. Yeah. It's kind of like, really, Russell, I mean, I get it, you were playing it for kind of the shock factor and also because you needed some sort of way to get people invested in martha maybe i don't know or maybe you needed a reason for her to hang on to him hence why she goes on an adventure with him for the first time but it just feels a little bit i mean yeah okay maybe if i was in her situation as well and somebody looking like david tennant ended up coming up to me and kissing me within 10 minutes i might be a little bit like hmm, i could have a piece of you but i wouldn't fall in love <laughs> with them that's the difference i think no and it becomes very really- very strong very quick if i remember rightly in the next episode it's literally like bang and she's obsessed well, yeah they they you know not really spoilers but they basically share a hotel room mm-hmm. and she's very much giving him the sort of I mean, if i remember rightly it's like the sort of hakuna matata's kind of eyes <laughs> and he's just like oh but rose though mm-hmm. but yeah and that's it's not something that's ever really bothered me about martha i don't see that as her sole sort of trait thing yeah Yeah. as you say she's a very strong character she's very accepting of whatever random rubbish is going on i think i think because of her first story being in a hospital it it sort of introduces her to the the world that she's going to be in over the course of this series and arguably for the rest of her life um it, it gives her a comfort zone to make the subsequent encounters with danger and extraterrestrials feel like feel a bit more homely but like you know the hospital's where she operates Uh this is where she is the boss yeah so the fact that her first encounter with jadoon and with all this stuff is in the place where she is genuinely feeling the most comfortable yeah helps her go into her subsequent adventures knowing that she can stand up for herself Mm. as well as work well with the doctor no she was just 
it's it's i don't want to just immediately compare her to clara but she seems like she it almost it's it's hard to sort of say this and not sound like i'm just hating on clara for the sake of it because arguably it could be the same with her it's about that she is just this sharp character straight out of the gate she is comfortable she's confident and she just goes with it Mm -hmm. but she doesn't know everything yes whereas clara very much clara did so that's I'm not, I'm not going to dwell on that for much longer because I kind of thought, thought oh, that's a, sort of a tangent. But mm. then I'm like, mm, that makes that may sound, make me sound a bit hypocritical. No, but I yeah, agree, though. Clara seemed to know everything like straight away. And it's like, that's the thing uh-huh. that's always annoyed me about her. Martha doesn't. She no. just goes, what about this? What about that? And the doctor's like, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, and that's so, what I was going to say. I quite like that element of Martha's character, how compared to Rose, she actually like not to bag on rose or anything because obviously at the end of rose's tenure she obviously did end up becoming basically the doctor's like better half for lack of a better word or other half should we say um whereas martha straight out of the gate is very she thinks for herself whereas rose i feel like never thought for herself to begin with she never tried to make those connections by herself because she got introduced to the doctor in a very different way where he basically saved her whereas martha was operating under the guise that she would have to save herself and i think that is the Mm. big difference there is that martha starts out thinking right we need to think about this logically i am training to be a doctor what logical conclusions can i gather from the fact that we're on the moon but we're still breathing and it's that like uh trap what's the word i'm looking for here transgression transformation i don't know whatever the word is i'm looking for it's that process that she goes through that is like right i'm gonna have to fight for these people now so what can we work out where can we get to and then the doctor comes in and they kind of match up when martha's already made those jumps whereas rose was very much oh what's going on and then the doctor comes in to save her and she's like oh hang on a second i've been saved and not that <laughs> that makes you sound like I don't like Rose. That makes you sound like a stupid, real bitch. But, <laughs> but yeah, you get I know what point. you mean. Contextually, they're, they're they're introduced to the Doctor in very different ways. Yeah. So Martha gets to shine from day one. Mm-hmm. Rose kind of grows into that and becomes the companion that we we all know and love. Basically. Yes. Um, but yeah, so Martha falling for the Doctor quite suddenly. I mean, you know, you can sort of see the way she looks at him. And she kind of leans into it a lot at the end of the episode, which is like, oh, take me on a date. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's actually just kind of annoying (laughs) he gets really pissy with her and like i said this is the part of the doctor that's very defensive and he's like oh she was called rose it's kind of like yep you've still not got over your ex have you and then it's like don't say you don't think you're replacing her and she's like all right mate jesus i wasn't i wasn't intending to replace her she literally didn't even know she was replacing anyone she was literally just like i'm just here she she does well the thing is she said doesn't she say like you don't have any backup or anything and he's like no no I'm, I'm here alone and then he gets on the TARDIS and he's like oh yeah I used to go around with this girl and it's like yeah you definitely brought her up in this well, conversation well I don't David. think he says I'm here alone because he doesn't actually well, no, answer she asks that whether she has a whether she has a co whether he's a co-pilot yeah or and he goes but then oh, he brings oh, yeah, up the fact that he used for to 10 minutes and you know you're asking all these personal questions that's what he says doesn't he yeah so but anyway so I don't find that facet of Martha to be such a standout thing. And at the end of the day, you know, you might get annoyed with the fact that she does fall for him. The kiss scene, the genetic transfer, you know, you see it on her face. She's like, oh, damn. I mean, mm. again, simping is coming into play. But again, like said, you're getting snogged by David Tennant. You're going to be doing that irrelevant. You could be literally 
you know, on falling through space, falling through, uh, falling down a hole, big spikes at the bottom. You're definitely going to die. You get kissed by David. You're still going to have that that feeling, and then splat. Yeah, you'll still have the same feeling. I still um, would be like, oh my god. But, but fact of the matter is, you can whinge about that kind of thing all you like, but don't ever tell me you've never known somebody who just falls for people like that instantly we all know somebody who just goes head over heels for something even if they don't even if they know nothing about them if they know whether they're real they will just fall head over heels for for somebody i mean it can happen it's true and it it i'm sure and (laughs) if you don't know that person check yourself um (laughs) because you might be that person um yeah but yeah no we do we know somebody we probably all have come into contact with somebody like that maybe when they were at school or like you know when you're 15 and your pal is like i met a boy over the weekend and he's my love of my life you know yeah. it's it's just i met a boy in the happen. queue for the ride but to be fair and we're gonna be together forever <laughs> to be <laughs> fair to be fair to martha when you're a 15 year old girl and you meet somebody in the back alley smoking cigarettes and puffing on wkd puffing on wkd puffing on wkd you know that's a new one. <laughs> Didn't mean that. Um, and, you know, it's very different to what she went through with the Doctor because she actually has kind of a veritable excuse as to why she falls for him so quickly. He literally does save her life. True. So... And in that, and like I said, in that situation, you've just transported to the moon, you're getting scanned by rhinos and you know there's some weird vampire bitch with a straw. Straw What bitch. else are you going to do? Well, quite. What else are you going to do? Speaking of straw bitch, let's let's quickly transition onto her and her her motivation. What she's doing, going around sucking people off. I mean, sucking Meh. their blood, sucking um, people dry, <laughs> sucking old men and sexy suited time lords dry. Um, mm-hmm. That I that that concept of her just draining, of being a vampire, just sucking your blood through a straw. It's just weirdly morbid. Yeah. Because obviously with Doctor Who, they can't lean into it, really. They could have maybe lent into the horror aspect, which they do do in Doctor Who sometimes, where they really go a bit gross with it. Empty Child will always be the standout for me. Well, yeah. Um, They could have shown them the guy draining away, kind of like how the dude ages in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Not that you'll know what that is. No, not clear. There's the scene with the Holy Grail where he he just ages and and dissolves in front of this woman. They could have gone for that. Oh, is that the bit where that skull disintegrates? Basically, you might have seen a clip of it. I've seen... It's not when the guy melts. That's oh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay. That's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right. Um, but yeah, they could have lent into that. You see him obviously post... <laughs> post suck. Um, <laughs> suck with <laughs> two Cs. And he's, just, and he's just completely pale. And it's like with a little red spot on his yeah. neck. That's it. Like they could have lent into that. They could have... You know in um, the Lazarus Experiment, which yes. is in this series, when the, Isn't the, they like get post Isn't that like one or two episodes time? Yeah, it's not long away. Yeah. Um, the uh, you see them all dried up and stuff. They could have lent into that, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. But then, as you said, the idea that it's just this woman with a straw makes it weirdly extra makes creepy. It... Yeah, especially since she's an old woman. Like most old women are supposed to be nice and friendly, not horrible and blood sucky. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad for Anne Reed because I I don't think of uh, anything that I've seen her in. I don't as think I've well. ever seen her in anything else. But whenever I see her in any kind of like trailer for something, I'm just like, it's the straw bitch with the crazy eyes. Mm-hmm. She's got crazy eyes. It's kind of like um, the woman who plays. I can't remember her name off the top of her head. Yeah, the woman who plays Blondfell Fosh. It... I can't oh, see her as anyone no. else other than. I was talking about the woman in Midnight 
who plays the blonde oh, woman. Oh, Sky. I literally yeah. can't see anybody else but her. Oh, like I said, the woman anything. who plays Blonde Fell Foch. She was in um, the Worst Witch, the TV uh-huh. the TV series. She was like, did she, was she like the, the the dinner lady or something? Yeah, something like that. Because there's one scene of the worst which I remember so vividly with her is because they were talking about how food that's been conjured by magic doesn't fill you up. Oh, okay, fair enough. I just very vividly remember seeing her and another character sitting in a room like eating pizza or something. Just like, yeah, magic food doesn't fill you up. You can just eat it and eat it and eat God, it. God, I wish. I just I don't know why. I know I remember nothing about the worst. Does it witch stop you gaining weight too? <laughs> Assumedly, yes. I would but then hope you don't so. actually get any nutrients from it, so it's a bit eh. useless, really. <laughs> I don't eat food apple, for the nutrients. Have one apple, and then just loads and loads of pizza. I eat yeah. food for the taste. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I feel bad for her because she just yeah. Obviously, the thing about doing Doctor Who is that actors get worried about being typecast, but just her yeah. demeanor just always screams she's evil in some way, shape, also, or form. Also, I said to you, didn't I? How strong does that straw have to be to pierce through human flesh and into your bloodstream? Because I'm intrigued. <laughs> something with that much um, uh, diameter or like sh- like gap in yeah, the middle you mean, the is not very structurally sound. Have you ever tried to force a straw into anything like an apple? Also, it is hard. <laughs> I think. I think maybe. She's just really, really good at the suck. <laughs> I thought you were going to say she's really, really strong. And I was about to be like, yeah, I can see that. Well, that's but... what I mean. But I could I could have said she's really strong or I could have said she's good at the suck. She's got a I good... I knew which one I was going to pick. She's got a good I think technique. maybe it is a genuinely normal straw. She went to the hospital shop, got a straw because <laughs> they sell straws there. And she just, she can just, she's really good at the suck. Oh, you've got like, a shop. She's, she's, she's literally the binary opposite of the guy trying to drink strawberry milk through a cardboard tube <laughs> oh yeah we've watched that video far too much you've not seen that there's a there's you probably have there's a video of a guy try, literally he's got like a glass of milk in front of him or something and he just has a toilet roll tube and he like puts it in his mouth and he tries to drink this glass of milk through a cardboard <laughs> tube and he just obviously because your mouth is so open and you like almost inhale it he just coughs there's no and it's because launches the way back into his quick face. science lesson for you the way a straw works is it has to be thin enough so that the pressure that is on the inside of the straw is like greater than the pressure on the outside of the straw or one of the ways around i can't remember so that it forces the liquid up through the straw with a toilet roll tube there's too much gap for that you need pressure a lot of to pressure escape so you'd have to have and a huge amount of pressure that. to suck that up and he goes <laughs> and just like spits it all out over every single bit of the camera and it's hilarious hence why you need to be good at the suck yeah. so uh, she's probably a very strong probably suck. could drink chalky milk through a cardboard tube <laughs> probably i think that's that's a doctor who science lesson doctor who mythbusters that's another youtube idea <laughs> can straw bitch suck up can, straw can straw, a toilet how good tube? is straw bitch at the suck <laughs> will it suck versus will it blend will it suck that is the question um (laughs) anyway that's like that's peak that's peak 2008 youtube video (laughs) let us know uh, on twitter if you remember will it blend Mm. anyway more important things to, to talk about let's talk about quickly uh the uh, the Joneses because we're introduced to all of them at the start of the episode no cold no cold open mm-hmm at the beginning of this episode i couldn't remember whether there was one i, I couldn't think, think of what it was one. no but obviously it just kicks straight in with the with the titles and i was like oh okay yeah. i just genuinely couldn't remember whether there was one um, but straight away we're introduced to the the joneses that 
awful with a lot of loud music awful phone conversation dynamic that quite literally no one ever, ever everyone's has ringing martha at the same their time life um <laughs> i mean it's peak 2007 really isn't it like oh quick phone call gotta go oh quick phone call because they had flip phones i mean she's there now. using a flip phone so, so peak you, 2007 yeah exactly yeah. um so we get introduced to obviously Martha first. We get introduced to uh, Tish, the sister, her sister, played by I'm going to butcher her name. I have heard it be spoken, but it's like Gugu Mbatha Raw or Mbatha Raw. I'm not entirely sure. Most most people will know her as playing um, the judge in Loki. Loki. <laughs> um. So yeah, if you've seen Loki, you've seen Tish. Yeah. Because she plays like sort of the mainish bad guy, mm-hmm. really, through the course of the series. Um, which is quite cool. We're introduced to her mum, who we also knew as one of the cats in New mm-hmm. Earth. If you didn't realise that before, go back and watch New Earth again. You can you tell which tell. one she is. Trust me. It's just the eyes, that sort of constant yeah. scowl. She's like, got very right, so she does have resting eyes, bitch face. Doesn't she? Yeah, but you can you can very much tell which cat she is. Mm-hmm. Um, we're introduced to her dad and his and his, you know, skanky girlfriend and his uh, gold uh, digger. Yeah, very much so. And her and we're also quote introduced twenty one year old twenty one year old brother played by Reggie Yates. <laughs> Bollocks! Is he twenty one at that point? I might be wrong. But how old is Reggie Yates now? Actually, yeah, Google I'm have it. A look. Because if he's under twenty one, I will. Do you be know shooketh. what? He's so it was. Uh, when was 2007 was what 14 years ago yes he was 24 okay so not far off then no it's just i don't know what it is i'll see you know growing up with like radio one and watching stuff on cbbc with reggie yates in it um i just when he says oh he's 21 i'm like rubbish is he 21 but he was only 24 fair enough when they did that but i mean reggie yates hasn't aged no, a day never. seems <laughs> do you, okay just because of um mentioning reggie yates on cbbc i don't know whether you've watched this did you ever watch only in america which was fern and reggie going they had like a they had like a a, a soft top american muscle car and they just drove around america they did like this almost documentary series doing stuff in america no sorry only in america i think the only thing i remember reggie from was was he with nev the blue bear did he have stuff to do with nev was it no. nev is that the blue bear was that what the blue bear was called yes it was nev because he did smile yes which was the sunday morning stuff with um Barney Harwood, yes, who's on Blue Peter now, um, what did... and he also did Bear Behaving Badly. What? I might be wrong. Maybe he did do stuff with Ned. Do you know? I'm sure that's where I know him from. I mean, obviously, as a kid, I watched quite a lot of CBBC, but I'm sure that I remember him being on something to do with Nev. Oh, do you remember those games uh, on the CBBC no, website? No, yes, he he did used to do Smile. Yeah. So yes, I knew he it. Did, he was there with Nev. Yeah, I thought I did. Yeah, he did. He did. He did. Uh, smile with Fern Cotton from two thousand and two to two thousand and four. There you go, then. Um, and then obviously, like I said, they did. They did only in America. Two thousand two to two thousand four. So yeah. we were seven. Seven. Seven to nine. Seven to. Seven so that to nine. is. I'm astonished. I remember that because <laughs> that was my, twenty my best mate, years ago. <laughs> my best mate was obsessed with Smile. Oh, really? He loved it. I remember playing because I did the dance games classes on, on a website. Saturday. I never did. Like SMTV, never watched it because I was always doing dance classes on a Saturday, but I could watch, I could watch Smile. (laughs) 
Yeah, Only in America was a 2005 TV series. Damn. Uh, where they went across America and did stuff. And the one thing I remember very vividly from that, which is the episode on summer camps I'm looking at right now, is like the, the summer camp leader and their their posse of kids all sang like a song welcoming Fern and Reggie. And it was the cringiest yeah. thing I've ever seen. But yeah, let, know- let me know if you fellow CBBC avid watchers back in the day, because I was obsessed with wanting to work for the BBC when I was growing up. You were. Um that, uh, that we're watching only in America. Did you watch that? Do you know why I, I didn't. probably didn't watch it? Was because why? around the time that we turned nine and ten was when yeah. Mum first bought us Sky, ah, and so right. we went from being CBBC kids to thinking, "Oh my God, we're going to watch so much CBBC Channel when we get Sky." No, we turned into Disney Channel kids through and through. So, that's fair enough because there were still some banging shows on disney channel like back disney then. channel we i watched, watched everything uh man. what else did we watch we watched a bit of toon disney before it became disney xd and then before it became something else um this is because uh, we is watched disney still going what did we watch we watched is. totally spies um mate that was on fox kids uh right okay or jetix 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 I remember it. I remember Jetix being the sort of they had like a, a lunch, uh, like a slot, mm-hmm. like two hours, like how they did. Um, was it on CITV? They did Tunatic or yeah, something, something like that. It was like that, and then it, eventually they rebranded the whole channel around mm-hmm. it. But yeah, yeah we watched on that. Totally you had spies. Totally Spies, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, yeah. or Power Rangers Lightspeed Rescue was my Power Rangers yeah. back in the day. That's good stuff. Never seen Power Rangers. Lol, don't sue me. But I mean, I'm not going to. Power Rangers is very much not your thing. No, it's not. But it very much was mine. But we like those, like because Phineas and Ferb originally was on Disney XD. I think before it was after we. It was after we like grew out of it. Really, Phineas and Ferb. No, what was it? Because I seem to remember I that Phineas so. and Ferb started on Disney XD and then moved over to Disney Channel or something like that. Um, or because Disney XD used to be Toon Disney and Disney Channel was very much. Oh, it was 2007 Phineas and Ferb started. Yeah, it wasn't that... Like, we, me and my sister watched it religiously, hence why she's obsessed with Perry the Platypus. Um, I mean, hell yeah. Well, I mean, he's great. But my point was is that I'm pretty sure that Disney XD used to be the Disney Channel for cartoons because it used to be called Toon Disney and Disney Channel was the live-action Disney Channel-like shows and now they that just show it all in one place. That's where you had things like Fatso Raven, Hannah Montana, yeah. Sweet Life, um, stuff like that. And so that's what me and my sister basically from the age of, I don't know, eight or nine grew up on was I remember the first episode of Hannah Montana airing and <laughs> that was like my literal my neck the next five six years of my life i was obsessed maybe not five six years because that would have meant i was 16 maybe four years i was obsessed with smiley virus can we just like acknowledge <laughs> that like i used to want i to don't know how her. i watched everything like watched loads of cbbc we were reminiscing about the game shows mm-hmm. at work Bamzuki. the other day you know bamzuki get your own back 50 get your own back was a then- killer show Get Your Own Back was great. Uh, and then um, things like from CITV, things like Tem- uh, Temple Run, Jungle Run, which was I recently absolutely banging. went on YouTube and did like a bit of a binge watch of shows that I they remember whole watching episodes from a on kid. YouTube. It's awesome. I watched Jungle I Run. Like- I watched a bit of Raven. I watched Art Attack. Oh, Raven. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was obsessed with Art Attack. Art Attack was incredible. Um, 
But like watching all this stuff on CBBC and I watched like stuff on Cartoon Network. Mm-hmm. So Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, Dexter's Lab. I never watched any of that. Uh, Johnny Bravo, but... stuff like that. Boomerang because it just showed Tom and Jerry because I, I adore Tom and Jerry. Yeah. I love that show. Love that to pieces. Stuff on um, Nickelodeon. So Spongebob, obviously. Again, Fairly Odd Parents. Not much. Fairly Odd Parents was an absolute You watched Fairly Odd Parents, but you didn't watch Spongebob. Um, and then obviously stuff on Disney Channel, stuff on Jetix. Yeah. And then just watching loads of Challenge. Oh. I just, me and my nan oh just used to watch Family Takeshi's Fortunes Castle. with Les Dennis. <laughs> Takeshi's Castle. <laughs> oh, what an absolute Family Fortunes. Show. Takeshi's Castle, Strike It Looking, Strike It Rich, Catchphrase. The old catchphrase with Roy Walker, though, not the uh, new catchphrase. Classic challenge stuff. Crystal Maze. Oh, Crystal Maze. Just... (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how... Like, I I just don't watch TV anymore, and I find that baffling that when I was a kid, I just watched so much TV. But this is the thing. We've grown up in that kind of era now where... TV just isn't the done thing for kids anymore. Like, yeah, okay, you watch it when you're really young because parents need to stick you in front of something. But to be fair, even kids don't watch TV nowadays. They Like, babies will sit in front they of YouTube, YouTube videos because there's everything <laughs> to access for free. Why wouldn't you put your kids in front of 50 hours of, oh, McDonald had a farm to keep them quiet? <laughs> I mean, the thing is, like, we... Or sticks, sticks, so sticks, 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 sticks. Oh my stick, god! Stick. I mean, that's our CBBS. <laughs> so, um, the fact that we still have Doctor Who to watch, which is going to be broadcast only, mm-hmm. I don't think Doctor Who will ever get relegated to. I mean, even BBC Three's getting a channel again. Yeah. So it's like that's probably down to, to RuPaul's being... Drag Race, I would imagine. <laughs> Maybe, um, but like, yeah, the fact that we still have something on. I was about to say terrestrial. It's, it probably still refer to it as terrestrial TV. Um, free like the fact we still have something like that to watch. Free sat, actually. Oh. We have free sat free here sat. in this house. Uh-huh. Um, like, we, we still have that to watch every week. It's why I don't mind the fact that things like the Marvel series on Disney+, Plus they come out weekly. Yeah. That is, drop them all at once. Like, when we get the next series of... Big Mouth, which is a, a Friday, I think, this Friday coming. Right. When we get the next series of The Witcher, which is in December, when I get Formula One Drive to Survive Series 4. Oh, I need to watch Lock and Key on Netflix Series 2. Like, you just watch it all in one go. Yeah. And I miss that that idea of watching it week to week. I can't think of what it was on... I think there was something on Netflix that I watched that was released week to week. Yeah? But I can't remember what it might have been. I can't remember either. Sex Education. Oh, that's a great show while we're here. Like, while we're on the topic of <laughs> Very Netflix much, binging. We have we have barely talked about Smith and Jones. We really haven't. Honestly, I'm really sorry. <laughs> Where did we get to? Honestly. We got to Reggie Yates. That we, was the we've thing. talked about the family and it's like, so okay, let's get let's get back on topic. Smith and Jones overall as a series opener. Pretty good. I actually forget how strong it is, yeah, really. I do too. I mean, it's one of those episodes that I think you forget because it's buried under the pile of Martha's like future stories. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. I do. I, I remember Rose's first episode because it was the reboot. Like, you can't not remember Rose's first episode. Um, but, like, I mean, Catherine Tate's first episode is a bit kind of swept under the rug because she becomes... She's not a very good Donna, as because we Because she's a bitch, in it? Yeah. As we discussed, um, she's not a very likeable character, And I feel really. like, at this point in Doctor Who, we've now had two series and three Christmas specials. Is that right? Um, 
Two series and two specials. I thought it was three specials. No. You're thinking of like as if there's there was one before. Oh, uh, um, right, okay. Eccleston. In any We've case. We've only had Christmas Invasion and Runaway Bride so far. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's kind of we've we've now getting to the point where we've watched enough doctor who to start being overwhelmed by the amount of storylines that exist whereas when rose was the companion that was all we had to know was just rose <laughs> laughs in doctor who flux well yeah okay one. yeah literally <laughs> <laughs> flux was a whole different kettle of fish but um what i mean is martha's first episode probably gets forgotten quite a lot because it doesn't particularly lead on to anything outstanding within martha's character it doesn't stick out no really and that's why like i said earlier that i forget how much i actually enjoy watching the jadoon do their thing and actually it's kind a of good fun. solid episode and do you know why it's yeah. a good solid episode chibnall take notes because not a lot happens because you quite literally have a hospital that goes to the moon you have one enemy who you think is the enemy but is not you have a second enemy who is the enemy you have a well-rounded solution that doesn't just suddenly become oh my god yes of course i know how i'm gonna fix this problem within five minutes thank you moffat um but also it's <laughs> like you don't know what his plan what date what the doctor's plan is until he's in the middle of executing it which i really like because you're sort of like oh how's he gonna get out of this one i don't understand what's he done the kiss for what's this what's this and it all just progressively makes sense but it's well paced throughout the entire thing there was not a single point of this episode where i sat there thinking god this is dragging on a bit or god this is boring or like oh my god what's happening now whereas a lot of flux episode one i was thinking oh my god really are we really here like what's happening we've got a lot to go with that so it's always like take take that sort of approach of let's throw everything at the wall with a pinch of salt because we need to see where it goes to if it ends up being all rectified and sorted then great but we'll wait and see but yeah as, a, as an example just one more thing just popped back into my head when you talk about like you know chibnall take notes and not much happens and so on an example that you pointed out when we got to it, when the Doctor and the and, and the Martha, the Doctor <laughs> and the Martha go out onto the balcony, and it's like, how are we still breathing? Here's Tennant's tenth Doctor. Here's Jodie Whittaker's thirteenth Doctor, and this isn't obviously on Tennant and Whittaker as actors themselves uh-huh. and what they were given in the script. What does Tennant do? He picks up a rock and he throws, throws it. it to find out what's going on. What would Jodie have done? Scanned it. Sonic screwdriver. She would have been like, that's, that's oh, what I, look, that's I'm what I meant when I, in when I reviewed Flux Chapter One. Like, this is what the Doctor's missing. Like, the physicality of like, I'm gonna work stuff out. I'm just gonna do it. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea that, for example, again, the scene where the Doctor is using a sonic screwdriver and going through that computer, he's scanning it and we're seeing the windows all empty. But that whereas, for example, Jodie would have like scanned it and then looked at a screwdriver rather than looking yeah. at the screen potentially but you see i, mean, I find i say that she literally uses a laptop well, in flux, flux chapter but one but that's bit different. after already scanning loads of stuff with the screwdriver but you see what i find appropriate about the fact that he's using a sonic screwdriver for the computer is because it is technology that you can access with sonic waves what jody does is scans literally every piece of fiber that exists in the universe and goes huh i'm getting readings as if it's gonna just suddenly <laughs> come back like it's a bloody dolphin under the ocean that's going at everything like they use echolocation jody might as well just have a bloody beacon on top of a forehead that scans everything for all i care like whereas <laughs> tenant 
also what I liked about Tennant in this episode, sorry, going off on a slight tangent, was the fact that when he goes into the MRI room with the straw bitch, he um, obviously puts on that fake, oh my God, I'm... Do, do you see the the rhinos? We're in the space. We're this, we're that. And he pretends not to have a clue what he's on about. But what I like about that scene is that you can clearly tell that he has spent a lot of time with Rose. And it's one of the things that I don't like about Matt Smith's Doctor is Matt Smith's Doctor forgets how to be human a lot of the time. Mm. Whereas... David Tennant's doctor is very much, oh, I did my GCSEs in geography and I did this and I did my A-levels and my wife is back home. And, and he makes all these solid earth references. That's arguably down to character. I wouldn't say it's necessarily down to like the doctor forgetting things. No, because no, no. The doctor doesn't forget things, but I, I do know what but you, you know mean. But you know what I mean? Like Matt Smith's doctor was played off for laughs. And I don't know if that's because a lot of the time it was appealing to the American audience, but it was very much a Matt Smith can't sit still for five minutes in an episode because he doesn't know how to be bored. Whereas David's just kind of like, yeah, I'm an average human guy. I did my GCSEs, did my A-levels, I got a wife, I did this, I did that. And it it very much just shows the difference in the approaches that Russell T. Davies has to like tenant solving a problem that like Moffat and Chibnall and everyone does like successively to the other doctors solving problems because like i said jody would have just completely probably gone in there scanned what was going on and gone i know what you're doing you're trying to blow up the earth with this mri machine and here's a bunch of exposition because we've got kids watching this show don't you know and i need to tell them exactly what's going on (laughs) which is basically my two cents sorry (laughs) in case you can't tell i really don't like chibnall (laughs) okay let's keep on let's stay on smith and jones Uh... for a sec Let's jump over to Twitter because we have a bunch of questions. Oh, yeah. So there's a question right at the top that I've got here that's from uh, from John Carlyle, which I might think we'll try and remember to answer this more towards the end of the series because um, he asks whether we think she would be received better if she were less romantically focused in the series. And I think that's more of a question for later because obviously we're only at the start of the series. We know that there are people who are listening to this podcast who haven't watched Who mm-hmm. all the way through. So... I think we'd probably hang fire on that one. But to we've be already fair, obviously talked about I was her gonna romantic say, I think we've nature, talked about that kind of nature of her side of things a bit in this episode. At least in this episode, but I think that's probably one we'll come back to if we remember towards the end of the series. If we remember Apologies John, if we when don't. it gets when it gets to the uh, sound of drums and last of the time lords, retweet. Let us, us know the again question. on Twitter. Send us the question again, and I'm sure we'll get round to it. So Misha asks, do you think the Doctor is really as oblivious to Martha's feelings as he lets on? Could it be that while he does miss Rose herself, he has also gotten used to being adored and he purposefully sets up his relationship with Martha this way as well? Hmm. I don't... The Doctor is not an idiot and Nine showed it in his first scene with Jackie that he knows what flirting and innuendo look like. Plus, previous incarnations of the Doctor have been manipulative as well. Yeah, I mean, I've never looked at it and thought that he... Um sets it up so that Martha falls in love with him exactly but I do see the point of him setting it up so he's not alone um he is he's very much the person who says I'm not okay no one talk to me but very loudly says uh that because they actually do want to be spoken to yeah but I don't um I don't think he's oblivious to her feelings in the slightest I think he full. But I also knows. don't think he's. I think he's he's wanting that 
companionship. Mm-hmm. I think he, I think he does this better with Donna when he says, "I just want a mate," and she says, "I'm not. You're not mating with me, yeah. Sunshine." It's like he genuinely just wants a friend because mm-hmm. I don't think he wants another person to romantically lose. And arguably, apart from River, which is a bit different because he knows how that ends. Yeah, we don't have that with another companion since Rose. No, thank God. Unless. Unless 13 and Yasmin, Thasmin becomes a thing. Thasmin? I think it's what the people really? are shipping it as. Oh, no. <laughs> That's not oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. <clears throat> but Well, that would require yeah. Yas to have a soul. Um, wow. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think Crikey. he's oblivious. But... I But I also am not sure whether he set it up to, for her to be romantically interested. I think it's just... I think he just wants the attention. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And I, obviously after the kind of stuff he's gone through, Who can I blame don't blame him? him. Yeah. But anyway. Um, Jay asks, could you see Martha returning in the future? And arguably she's only, re- she's one of the only companions who could. Yeah. Out of what we've had in New Who because of how things end, end for certain each. characters. Yeah. Arguably she's the only quote unquote normal one left apart from actually apart from uh ryan and graham, graham really um yeah. who i'm sure we'll see again by the end of the year Chip i was gonna Absolutely. say i doubt i i highly doubt that there's not going to be an episode in flux where they crop up randomly in one scene and then go i wouldn't again. say in flux i think it'll be at this i think it'll be in the specials towards the oh, end right yeah because i'm pretty certain uh there's a picture of bradley walsh and uh john bishop on set together why am I not surprised? So, yeah. So could could Martha return in the future? Um, Arguably, yes. I don't see why not. Got, She's the only one Russell who had the crossover back. between that and Torchwood, isn't she? She was really good in Torchwood. Yeah, she was, actually. I really liked her stuff in Series 2 of Torchwood. Mm-hmm. So I would say, arguably, yes. If we've got Russell coming back, it's obviously one of his characters. I don't, I don't see, see why, why not. But then, semi-spoilers, but also not really that relevant because you jump, on, you jump to this point after a lot of stuff happens off screen, um, my, Mickey, they're a couple, they're a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of gets sprung up on you, so it's not really a spoiler no. if you don't know that. It's just like a, it's a thing towards the end of the... the it's the, a very the, loose the detail era. that isn't really important. But like, obviously, Noel Clark coming back... Not going to happen. Also, probably not going to happen. Yeah. So if Martha did come back, it would be in some... She'd probably have divorced just him. Just solo <laughs> way. She, I would say they'd probably just mention him. Yeah. And that'd be about it, but she could come back i don't see why she wouldn't she's actually doing big finish i just remembered oh yeah uh, free management is doing she's doing the year of martha jones which you'll see by the end of the series because a lot of stuff happens in that time that we didn't see yeah so that's what's um that's what she's doing with big finish which is super cool so uh, arguably yes martha could come back Mm -hmm. i wouldn't mind it because all the time she has come back in torchwood and doctor who she's been great she's been a solid character yeah yeah exactly so i guess why not so, Nathan asks, do the Jadoon look for specifically her species regarding Strawbitch or just Alien in general? Because it's always bugged me how she drinks the Doctor's blood and they then know who she is because she's, they say she is a plasmavore. Mm-hmm. But surely she'd register as a Time Lord like she registers as a human when assimilating everyone yeah, else's Yeah, I thought that as well because when they scan the Doctor, he's obviously trying very hard to run away. Um, but who knows? I mean... I believe, yeah, because they sort of start off by saying looking for non-human life, but then when they scan her at the very end and they're like, Plasmavore, you are arrested for 
the crimes against sucking the blood of this Killing princess that, or whatever that, that it princess, is. Yeah. Then they clearly are looking for her specifically, but I think the <clears throat> you say there's a little me. plot hole because there sh- she should register as Time Lord. Yeah, if she's drank his I blood think, in the way she registered as human. I think maybe it's it's one of those things where they probably because well, yeah i don't know that is the only bit that scarpers it really because if you um ignore that plot point um they probably had some sort of detail in their scanners that could prove that she wasn't a time lord because of the way like it was her insides were manipulating stuff or whatever i was gonna say that was what i was gonna say is like yeah as a as a criticism as a as a potential plot hole that is very valid yeah why would she register as Vesper, as Vesperform, as Plasmavore, when she's just drank Time Lord mm-hmm. blood, Gallifreyan blood? So the way that I would have like rectified that is, A, obviously, potentially their kit wouldn't have Time Lord registered in it, in the same way that uh, Jabe in End of the World... Has never... Her scannery thing is like... Uh-huh. I think I think Time Lord and stuff like that, or like you know you don't exist and blah blah blah. Maybe that's why. Maybe it doesn't register as that, or maybe there could have been again it could have been a bit expositionary, but it could have worked in the same way that when they scan Martha after the Doctor kisses her, they're like, wait, the machine is doing something else. It's not fully right. Maybe they could have written a line or two in for the Jadoon to say to, to have it scan and go like, bluh, 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 no, oh, a bit weird, and it goes like traces of human, traces of this, mm-hmm. you know, two two different readings means the only plasma the only maybe conclusion that i can come up with is that if they are looking for non-human life then they know that they're clearly looking for the criminal who sucked the blood of what's it so okay maybe they would have scanned the doctor and seen that he was non-human but they might have scanned him and figured out he was a time lord have been like okay he's not the person we're looking for that's never explored but if when they scan her and they get that she's non-alien they their scanners then that he then says like do full scan to his team or whatever maybe it's because her physiology doesn't match up with time lord that they assume she's a plasmavore because she's drank time lord blood but she doesn't have two hearts maybe her physiology is completely different to that of a time lord so therefore they go hmm you probably not a time lord you are probably a plasmavore <laughs> but maybe her physiology just matches to that of a human so therefore it maybe masqueraded that kind of physiology side of things maybe, i don't know yeah yeah maybe as you say maybe just her biology that can rewrite itself mm-hmm. and stuff internal shape changer couldn't match a time lord because potentially their biology might be millions of years in the future where time lords have been long dead forever yeah so it just wouldn't know what it to is do a bit it. of a so plot hole like i will it's a plot agree. hole it's not a major one to completely ruin everything but it is yeah. a valid point and it could have been smoothed over a little bit more but it's not it's not something that i think people would go oh well that just doesn't work mm-hmm. uh so anyway chris asks what changed from the jadoon not having jurisdiction on earth in this episode to them somehow having jurisdiction in series 12 yeah who knows my thoughts on that immediately if this is the jadoon dealing with the fugitive doctor in the division this is obviously from way in the past Mm -hmm. so maybe the events of something like the fugitive doctor arc which we're still yet to get rectified and work out what happens maybe this is what potentially means the jadoon don't get jurisdiction anymore maybe they don't need to lean into that to really connect this and smith and jones but maybe that's maybe because this is so far in the past Mm. for this 
for these Jadoon and the the division compared to maybe the Jadoon we see in Smith and Jones, maybe back then they did have jurisdiction. Yeah. Or it was a they were being paid so much more money by the division to go and find this fugitive that they were like, you know what, we've got all this money, screw it, let's ignore the jurisdiction rules and yeah. just go to work. Alternatively, so, maybe they have jurisdiction for where they get paid to have jurisdiction. You never know. Like maybe in this episode, they were paid to have. Like, they weren't paid enough to have jurisdiction over Earth. Maybe that's just the way the Jadoon's fees work. I don't know. Like, I literally... It is a bit of a, again... It's like I said to you downstairs, wasn't it? It's one of those things where the comparison between the things that Russell T. Davis sets up and the things that later writers seem to retcon through silly jokes or whatever, like I said to you, didn't I? That in this episode, David goes, right, we'll do this, we'll do this, and turn the handbrake off. And yet in one of Matt Smith's episodes, River specifically says to him, it's not meant to make that noise, you leave the handbrake on. And it's kind of like really Moffat did you really have to go with that joke because we clearly see David in this episode taking the handbrake off so yeah <clears throat> there are that. lots of lines like that in the Moffat era that just didn't age well I literally said to you there was an article I think it might have been on Screen Rant or something about why the Davies era has aged better than mm-hmm. Moffat's because I think Moffat didn't try and lean into the things that could be quoted and turned into bloody Tumblr posts you mean Russell didn't as much that, as not Moffat. sorry Russell didn't lean into that Moffat did lean into that yeah sort of, let's make quotes and jokes and stuff that just don't Mm -hmm. really make sense but so i think it was probably just one of those things that maybe i don't know maybe whoever wrote the episode where the judoon did have jurisdiction on earth just forgot about this episode or this line that meant that they didn't have jurisdiction and it probably was just one of those accidental things that gets missed yeah you know Okay, John asks whether her char- Martha's character is worsened by constantly comparing her to Rose, and it diminishes her strong character. And I think we've touched we've already that. touched upon mm-hmm. this. That yes, it it does to some extent because, as it says, it, as we've said, it, it sort of shrouds Martha's character in that's how people yeah. remember her, and not she's a very strong character, really as you say. So she doesn't she deserve to yeah. be compared to Rose and all that- the time. And that kind of goes into Lucas's question as well about our opinions on Martha as compared to how we started watching it and how we finished watching it it's it's kind of it's probably not as an as an extreme of a comparison as donna in runaway bride no. versus partners in crime but you know when you see as we said if you don't know this already which most of you probably do when you see martha later on she is a much more um independent i wouldn't say stable but yeah independence probably the better words because she doesn't go all googly eyes yeah over the doctor i think it is again like it's, she does it's this, probably uh, because series. she gets thrown into the foray a little bit later on in the series yeah. where she doesn't have a choice but to fight for herself and so she has to become that strong exactly. independent woman yeah. you know but it's and so scorp leans into this with their questions as well about um you know the genetic transfer could they have done something that wasn't just kissing um Maybe he and could have like, slapped around the in face. In universe, <laughs> it was a bad move for the by the writers to to set up Martha as this comparison to Rose. And it's like, yeah, I get that that sucks for her character. And obviously when you're conceiving a character like that, you don't know what the reaction's initially going to be. Um, obviously we knew that the Doctor would still be getting over Rose. Like, imagine, it, you know, when, when Russell wrote The Runaway Bride, for example, I assume it was him that wrote yeah, it. Yeah, I think um, so. He, could have, he probably looked at that and thought, Am I leaning into Rose's memory too much? Mm-hmm. Should I move on from this? How are the audience going to react to that? Obviously, the audience reacted positively to the fact that the Doctor was still getting over this. I was going to say, you need you time to grieve. You wouldn't get over it immediately. No. Um, and obviously, that would have been the same internal debate that Russell would have had writing Martha. Smith & Jones. Mm-hmm. Do I 
still lean into that compare to Rose because at the end of the day, it's like I'm almost acknowledging the fact that people will compare mm-hmm. Freeman Adjaman's performance as Martha to Billy Piper's performance as but Rose I, and, the, yeah. and the two characters against each other. I so, think that's probably why he went down the route of making her a very different character to be introduced. Yeah. Hence why we say he's good at writing female characters because Martha is nothing like Rose. It's the pure reason she gets compared is because she is the second companion and that's just yeah. unfortunately how it was always going to be. So I think maybe he understood that people were always going to compare her to Rose and he just thought, well, okay, they're going to compare her, so why don't I make a point of making that comparison myself, making the audience aware of the fact that, like we know that she's falling in love with the Doctor, but it's not going to happen a second time round. And therefore that leads the audience to be uh, like growing away from that comparison because then it kind of ends with Martha going, I'm not going to take this anymore. I don't have to sit here and be in love with you when you're not in love with me. And the audience kind of looks at that and goes, do you know what? Actually, that takes a lot to walk away from something like that. As I said earlier, we all know people who get head of heels Mm -hmm. for people and just won't drop it, irrelevant of whatever goes yeah. on whatever people tell you people just don't drop that so the fact that martha can genuinely put that back mm-hmm. and she also she quotes her friend that says get out yeah you know it's like that and that, that is a testament a of, to her strong character so i do think that russell knew exactly what he was doing when he added the kiss in because he probably thought well people are going to compare her anyway i might as well make this storyline something that proves that i'm not just going to write a second love story for the both characters i'm going to slowly eke away from that but also and that's probably why that sort of relationship with the doctor from a companion's perspective even with moffat companions and chibnall companions potentially uh-huh. um like that hasn't lent into that because arguably it is as i've said when people talk about martha that's the thing they criticize yeah. that's the facet of her character people didn't like which is probably why They've not lent into it again. I think if, for example, as I said, if something did happen between 13 and Yaz, by all means, I'm I'm all right for it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially since it's going to piss off all the people that think it's too woke. I think it's been long enough that we've not had a doctor and that companion too. Exactly. relationship. It's been, a, it's been a long time since Rose. Because, I mean, Rose was 2006. It's 15 yeah. years ago. So it's like yeah. that. That's, that, is, that, that ship has sailed. It can definitely mm-hmm. be explored again maybe it could bring up old memories of rose which might not help things might make things more interesting might just be a thing mentioned in passing to acknowledge that it did happen in the past but that could happen in the future but martha is definitely a character if you didn't like her in the past go back and watch this again and it's 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 not the best thing to say put that sort of that arc of her being googly over the doctor just put it away for a bit but if you do put it away for a bit you see martha's how much more of that character actually is there and yeah, the, that definitely. that aura of crap kind of you can wash it away and look at the characters they are and i'm hoping that'll be the same for me and clara but i yeah, don't know well but i don't think it well. will but anyway that's that's a story of another time when we get to series <laughs> seven woo series seven but that oh is God. about where we're going to wrap up our talk about everything that isn't smith and jones <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sorry <laughs> but I hope that you have all enjoyed listening to us rambling on about this, that, and the other. And if you want to get involved in our next episode, which will be uh, Shakespeare Code. That's the Tooth and Claw. That's series two, episode two. Shakespeare Code with the witches, the hot witch. Mm -hmm. You know, got to appreciate the hot. She's hot. And Shakespeare, who's also hot. He's hot. 
Yeah, the hotometer is back out in full swing for Shakespeare oh Code next time. I mean, time. all four of them on screen together, we're in trouble. Oh, boy. Gonna simp oh. our way into oblivion next oh, time. Oh, dear, we are in trouble. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> but that's going to be next time. If you've got any questions regarding the Shakespeare Code or you did watch Only in America on CBBC and what other kids' TV you enjoyed watching or whatever, please let us know on Twitter at Casterpod. K-A-S-T-E-R-P-O-D. Amy, where can they find you and all your stuff? You can find me on Instagram at Ames underscore Elizabeth. And You're still doing the... Find- um, you're still doing the voice. <laughs> You can find um, yeah, me I know, on I know. Instagram. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Ames underscore Elizabeth. You can also find me on Twitter. However, I basically do not tweet anything. So if you're going to find me anywhere, probably follow me on Instagram. It's the better place to keep up with what I'm doing. Hey, you can find me on Twitter at Pickup Change Toe and on YouTube, youtube.com slash Pickup Change Toe or just search for Rich Hudson. I should come up now because I've got more than four subscribers. So you yeah. You should. Doctor Who Flux reviews every Monday, every like Monday morning at like two in the morning. Two a.m. Turn the video around that evening because I give that much of a crap about doing these reviews and it's definitely paid off. So again, if you have refound the podcast or you've been listening to the podcast and you've been watching my reviews as well, thank you. I really appreciate it. And it's, yeah, it's uh, nice. It feels really good to be back on it. It really, really does. And it feels good I to be back on the podcast. I am proud of you. Thank you. You're welcome. My favourite financy financy it does feel good to be back on the podcast actually like i have missed doing it and it's one of the same things you say every week we're sorry there's such a gap but you know i mean to be honest like it feels like with work i mean i i've said this a lot work's been hella busy at the minute but it seems to be quietening down a bit as we head towards christmas um january's gonna be mad i know that much but like Mm. yeah hopefully we might get back into some kind of rhythm we're still going to be keeping to it we're never going to bin off the podcast entirely if we did we tell you don't you worry yeah we're not going to but stick no. around, as I said, at Casterpod, and I'm on YouTube, and I'm on Twitter, and Amy's on Instagram and Instagram. whatever. Yeah. But thank you all very, very much for listening. We'll see you next time for The Shakespeare Code. Go and get your hotometers out, because it's going to get really spicy on screen next time. Mm-hmm. Take care of yourselves, guys. Thanks for listening again. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.